Uh, well, it is so good to be with all of you in the room and everybody online. Uh, like Stacy said, yeah, I kind of saw the, the whole baking thing that kind of kicked off uh, about four months ago. And I thought, hey, you know what? Yeah, sure, I want to try that because I love sourdough bread. I'm from the Bay Area. And there's nothing like, if anybody tells you that, that San Francisco anywhere else, or that sourdough bread anywhere else than San Francisco is, uh, is the best, they're just flat wrong. Right? Have you had San Francisco sourdough bread? Anybody? Right. Yes, it does deserve applause. We could stand if we... I love sourdough bread. I actually answered the question one time. People said, what would be the one food that you could have if you're on a desert island? Whatever, one of those questions. And I was like, sourdough toast the rest of my life. I think I would be okay. Anyway, so I love sourdough. So I started the process. I ordered um, a sourdough starter online and I figured I'd get some kind of, I don't know, some liquid, some, you know, to be able to, to make my sourdough bread. Because if you didn't know, to make sourdough bread, instead of just using yeast like regular bread, you have this, this kind of pet that you have over time that you're, you're basically feeding um, so that it kind of develops the, the fermentation and the yeast all the time. So you just kind of pour a little bit in when you're baking your bread. And so I ordered it online and I opened up the package and I looked inside and I was just really surprised because it was this tiny little envelope and it just looked like there was like half a teaspoon of like dust inside. And I was like, what? Happen. This is uh, this is doomed from the start, and so I um, I uh, followed the directions. And basically, every day for like a week, you're kind of making the sourdough starter and um, and watching it and kind of dumping it out. And it's a kind of a weird, really exhaustive process. Anyways, over the course of about a month, I tried baking a couple different loaves of bread, and um, and I was like, this is not quite right. <laughs> to kind of take it out, and it was just this really hard disc cutting into it, it was a workout. Um, and so, and then about three, mo three months into it, I kind of find myself going, what, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I want to keep doing this because my little starter here that I call Frisco, for San Francisco style, Frisco is not, really seem like he's waking up. He's, he's kind of like started as a dehydrated little dust and he's still, I mean, kind of bubbly, but just not doing his thing. And, uh, and just when I got to the point, about three months in, I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to quit because it's not, I'm following all the directions and it's not worth it. I want to enjoy it and I want to taste something good and I can't. So I think I'm done. And, and uh, you know, maybe some of you even here today might find yourself at a place kind of right now where you feel a little bit exhausted, kind of worn out, um, kind of like my little sourdough starter here where you're kind of going like, man, I just I don't really have that get up and go that I used to have before. And if so, I'm really glad that you're here today because Glenn um, has some thoughts to share uh, on that that I think that are going to be really life-giving for a lot of us. And I have to let you know that just when I uh, wanted to give up, I'm glad that I didn't because, you know, like, uh, like this little loaf of sourdough bread that I have here. Many of us, see it finally turned out. Many of us, many of us are like a loaf of sourdough that is just waiting to rise. And Glenn's gonna come right now and share. And you don't get any right now, I'm gonna take it with me. Oh, man. And you have to talk so you can't be chewing. Okay, but later. You smell it. It does smell really good. He's not lying. <laughs> it's really good. Thank you, Andy. <clears throat> that may motivate me to end earlier. So, you know, it's good for everyone, right? Yes, I hear that applause, yes. And 
great to have you all. Great to have you all. Those of you uh, joining us online, great to have you. I know, uh, you know, the smell doesn't, you know, transfer through the, the internet, but, you, but imagine, just imagine uh, that wonderful bread. Um, you know, just uh, thinking about it, you know, uh, it hit me like, in, like, what if we, what, what if we as people are just like, bread waiting to rise. Like, well, like there's a great metaphor in all of that. Um, and as Stacy said, uh, we are continuing in our series uh, where we're looking at these different um, verses out of Romans 12. And I want to just dive straight into uh, this morning's uh, passage. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And we're going to look at one uh, just short single verse, uh, it's a single sentence here, uh, verse 11, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says this, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. And that's it. And you know, when you first read that, it's, uh, it, it could almost just stand by itself. And sometimes uh, people think of it as just like, wow, it's just, you know, this neat little verse here. But it's important to understand that it exists in a context because that shapes everything about how we would understand what Paul is meaning, what he wants us to get and understand uh, out of this. So those of you who have maybe uh, been with us the last couple of weeks, um, uh, what do you think that context is? And, it, and if you're online right now, feel free to like post that answer, what you think the context is. And if you're here right now, uh, maybe just if you know what it is, lean over to the person you came from and tell them what you think that context is uh, that Paul is saying this in, All right? So here's the context. If you don't know, uh, it's this real simple thing that goes back to verse nine that we talked about uh, early on. And that is, uh, let love be genuine. And so when Paul uh, says these words or writes these words, never lacking in zeal, uh, it, it's this idea of never lacking in zeal with genuine love, right? This is about what genuine love looks like. And so when you think about it in that context, I, I wanna dig into it just a little bit more so that we can maybe better understand what Paul is getting at. Uh, this word here that he uses, uh, lacking, we most often think of lacking is just uh, like the presence of something is not there. And this word in Greek carries a, a, a slightly different meaning uh, than that. It has that idea, but it's more around the idea of um, like a lack of energy. Um, you could translate this word reluctant or you could translate it slothful. And so now think about how that changes the meaning in it. Maybe the word that best captures what I think uh, Paul is getting at in this, and if you went to like a Greek lexicon and, and looked at this and tried to understand it in the context of the grammar and everything, I think uh, the word you'd pull out of that lexicon that would best capture what he's talking about here is weariness, weariness. So now think about what he says here when he says, never be weary in zeal. And all of a sudden it starts to go, or, or even reluctant in, in your zeal. And so like, what is he getting at when you think about being genuine in love? Why is this important? Well, let me tell you a story. So um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, I was working in my garage and uh, I was uh, on my drill press and I was cutting through some steel. And you know, when you cut through steel like that, you get these little bitty tiny uh, 
uh, shards or slivers of steel and I was using some cutting oil and so, you, and you just, you end up with a bunch of it, you can get it all over your hands and stuff. So you just have to be careful to, to wipe it off. Um, later that night, it was actually like four or five hours later and I was getting close to going to bed. And, and you know, sometimes you get that steel, especially if there's oil on it, it'll stick to your fingers or, you know, and I was wearing safety glasses and everything. Um, but right before I went to bed, um, I, I went like this, right my eye, and somewhere there was a little steel sliver that was either on my hand or resting on my cheek or something, and I wiped it into my eye. Yeah, and it, it became a thing in that moment, right? And so as you can imagine, uh, it didn't feel very comfortable. And so I'm, and, and I didn't know what it was at first. I, uh, like I went into the bathroom and I'm like, you know, trying to look and see if there's something in my eye. I thought, you know, maybe I've got an eyelash in there and I'm digging around in there trying to, you know, make sure I, there's nothing in there and I'm using eye drops and all of this stuff. Um, <clears throat> took some Advil and try to go to bed and I can't go to bed because it's just like, it just, as soon as I close my eyes, it like starts to bother me in this thing. I just like, it was like, and so for that entire night, that entire night, like I could not sleep. Um, and actually, if I'm totally honest, at about three o'clock in the morning, I went to the ER because I like, every time I close my eyelid, it's just like this, oh man. And stayed in the ER for the rest of the night until about seven o'clock in the morning in which um, I went straight to work. And I show up at work, it was actually a Sunday morning, um, and got no sleep through the night. I was weary, okay? Ever have a night where like something kept you up all night long and then like you need to show up someplace and, and be a human being, right? And get your job done or interact with people, whatever. I am telling you that that kind of weariness, it's like, like, Patience and kindness and genuine love just doesn't just flow from you, right? It just, it doesn't, it's not the most natural thing in the world. And I think part of what he's getting at here is this thing that we can reach moments in life where, where fatigue or weariness, um, it just makes it hard uh, to live with genuine love. Think about this, think for a moment uh, a time, maybe recently, uh, whenever, that you really like felt weary. Maybe there was some sort of ongoing stress and it was, maybe it was hard to sleep at night or maybe you could sleep at night, but the stress was just wearing uh, you out. Maybe it's, uh, maybe in this weird season that we're in, it's just the fatigue of being alone so much. Or maybe there's relational fatigue that you're uh, feeling because of the environment uh, that you're in. But think about that for a moment. Where, where do you feel that weariness? And then think about this. In that weariness, do you find yourself struggling at moments to like have patience, to look for those moments, to uh, love somebody with genuine care, right? It just gets hard. Um, Weariness of the soul um, is an enemy of genuine love. 
And probably all of you know what it's like to have a moment or two where because of whatever it is that you're facing in life, there's kind of this weariness that just begins to set in until it's not like you're just tired one afternoon and a nap will fix it. It's like, you, it's like you've gone too long without sleep. You've gone too long spinning too many plates at work or at home or managing something. And you're just weary in your soul. And when that happens, it's like the enemy of genuine love in our lives. And, and this is expected, right? That when we become weary like this, uh, you know, one of the things that fatigue does is it's, uh, we stop seeing moments as opportunity uh, to love. That when you become fatigued, it's just, it's, you're not seeing those opportunities. It's because you're just trying to get right to the next thing. Ever in that place where you just feel like, I'm just tired and I'm not wanting to try and figure out who needs what and do, I'm just trying to get through my day, right? Um, genuine love flows from something much deeper. The other thing is um, we tend to act more out of obligation uh, when we're weary than out of genuine love. Because when you're weary, um, it, it, it's kind of like this. It's like, what's the minimum I need to do? What's the minimum I need to say in this conversation? And that we're, you know, you just, it's just like, oh, what, like, and so we tend to operate more out of just obligation and not, not in a snooty way, not in a rebellious way. It's just like, I'm tired. And I just, what's the minimum I need to do in this relationship? What's the minimum I need to do at work right now? Whatever it is just to get through. But that becomes a killer of genuine love. And that's why what he says next here uh, is important. Uh, look back at this, um, right? So after saying uh, never lacking in zeal, right? Or don't become weary uh, in zeal. And this word zeal, um, you know, oftentimes we think of zeal as uh, it's the crazy obsessive person that isn't in touch with reality, right? They're like, and you're just like, man. And we think of that as, that's, that's that zealot. That's that person with too much zeal. But uh, kind of at its heart, and what I think Paul is getting more uh, at here, is it is a kind of eagerness. And again, if you were to go back and just look at the Greek language and the, and the Greek word that Paul uses here is speaking of a kind of eagerness, um, a lack of hesitation, or sometimes it can be uh, translated like fervor or energy in something. And Maybe the best way uh, to translate this that you could pull right out of a, a lexicon would be this, to do one's best, right? To have zeal is to say, I'm going to do my best in this, whether it's in sports, whether it's at work, what, whatever it is. And when you think about someone, they would have lots of zeal. Think about that person just like, they're just like, they've got this energy and this excitement. I'm going to do my best in this moment, right? And what Paul is getting at here in this moment is this idea of like, okay, don't grow weary in like bringing your very best because that's where, that's where genuine love flows like a river, right? But when we become weary, that gets tough. And, and it's, something, it's something that can sneak up on us. Um, I, I was thinking about this this week and it dawned on me that uh, so many Sundays I hold something that has a reminder of this. Um, back in, nine, I looked at the date in here, 
Um, my mom, before she passed away, uh, she, she gave me this Bible in 1991, long time before she passed away. And in 1991, I was a 20-something brand new pastor who was ready to turn the world upside down and there was no problem I wouldn't tackle. I was, uh, I had endless, boundless amounts of energy. I promise you. You ask any of my grade school teachers and they would tell you, too much energy, right? And um, I had a Bible that was this great big, thick, heavy Bible and I was preaching out of it and I wanted to get like a smaller Bible because I, I didn't use a music stand or a pulpit very often and I, and, you know, lugging this big thing around. And my mom said, I want to get you that Bible because I want to be the one that just released. It's the thing a mom would do, right? I want to give you that Bible. So she gave me this Bible back in 1991. And after I got it, um, I di she didn't tell me at the time. I just found it later. She, she wrote a bunch in the back of it here. And I want to read to you something that she, part of, of what she wrote me in this. She says this. Um, and again, you got to picture this being written to a 20-something-year-old who, who knows no boundaries and thinks that, you know, he's going to live forever and there's nothing he can't do and he'll never run out of energy. She writes this. She says, um, if you feel like the walls are closing in on you, remember it is God's ministry, not yours. Know also that not every request made of you comes from God. Be a pleaser of God not a pleaser of people. This is a mom writing this to her young adult son because she knows what he's going to face that he doesn't know yet. And she talks about fatigue in here, that like fatigue is a thing that's gonna come and be faced. And she says this about it. She says, um, you will have to work, um, you will have to work at it to reserve enough time and energy for your family. And then she goes on and she says, remember also that fatigue makes cowards of us all. There, there's no one that when they face fatigue can't be made into a coward. And you know, she didn't write this to shame me into, you know, uh, you know, always power through, never be weak. You know, that it wasn't my mom. She never wrote that because she wanted me to feel bad when weariness would hit. She wrote it because she knew it would. And she wanted me to understand that the strongest of people can become cowards. We can become weak. We cannot live out of our best selves. We can become weary from fatigue because that's part of the human journey. And as I think about what my mom wrote in that, you know, I, I think about Andy's story about the bread and what he was saying and how he, how he tried to get this bread to become something else early on. And you know, his yeast starter was more of like a yeast stopper at first. And what a great metaphor for just how we can sometimes experience life. And I know some of you here this morning feel like yeast 
or feel like bread whose yeast has lost its fervor. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you've been through that. You're getting ready to face it. And I need you to hear this. I need you to understand what Paul says next because he pivots halfway through this verse and what he shares. Um, You need to know because the truth of what he's getting at here in this is that that fervor, it is still there. The thing that you need most, it, it, it it is there. You are bread waiting to rise in this. So look at what he says in the second half of this uh, verse. Look at what he says. He just finishes it. And again, it can be easily missed, but he says, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Um, And one of the reasons we can kind of miss this is because he starts this verse off with this word that sometimes gets translated zeal. It could also be translated fervor. And we kind of think of zeal and fervor as the same thing. But what Paul writes here, uh, he uses a completely different word here when he talks about fervor. Um, It has a completely different root to it. Um, They're relatable, but here's the difference between these two words. This word carries a root meaning that the, the energy, the fervor, the thing that is going on uh, in it that would maybe cause zeal or whatever, there is something that is enacted and most often enacted from the outside to something that is inside. Um, it can be used in the positive or the negative. Sometimes this word is used to describe the fervor or the emotion someone feels about jealousy. Someone becomes jealous and they feel this jealousy. And they use this word because jealousy is one of those things that you feel because it gets enacted by something you see, something that happens. And, and it, you know, jealousy doesn't happen in a vacuum. It, it's it's because of something that gets enacted that you see with someone else. And all of a sudden you find yourself jealous about what someone has accomplished or what someone looks like or, or what they have or something. And it gets enacted in that way. But it can also be enacted like in a positive way. It's like that there's something there and it gets enacted. You could, you could translate this word in a number of different ways. You could translate it um, uh, as like being motivated or energy, um, you could uh, translate it, uh, the, the, maybe one way to translate this that would be really strong in this um, is this idea of um, like teeming with energy. Um, the, and, and oftentimes the illustration that they'll use like in a Greek lexicon to get at this is like water that is boiling. That is that water is boiling. It is teeming with energy. So let me ask you, what... If you take a pot full of water, does it just teem with energy? No. What, what, do, you, what do you have to do with that pot of water to, to cause it to boil? You have to put heat under it. Build a fire, stoke that fire, fan the flames, feed that fire, and put that pot of water over it. And that fire, it will enact that boiling in that energy. And what he's getting at here is that we can face this kind of weariness in life that, that, that turns the strongest of us into cowards at moments where we just, it's so hard to bring your very best, let alone live out of genuine love. And what he's getting back to with this second sentence is this idea that there is something in you that needs to be enacted. And when it gets enacted, 
connected, it will begin teeming with energy. This is the thing that overcomes like that sense of weariness that fills you back with that energy in this. Here's the thing. Genuine love doesn't just happen. It has to be fed. It has to be enacted. Um, and so he says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And he mentions two things in there about keeping something and serving something. And I want you to think about those two things. And I, I want to just wrap up our time here with some application, because if you're sitting here and you're just going, you know, I feel that fatigue. And I, I, there are the moments where maybe it's with a family member, like maybe a friend, and you know that you want to love them better. It's just hard. And you don't have energy for it. Maybe you just need something of the Spirit of God to be enacted in some way in your life. And you will begin teeming with a kind of energy that will allow you to relate or live in a different way. And so the question is like, what does your spirit need? I want you to think about keeping something. You know, if you're going to put a fire under that water, you've, there are certain things that you, you'd like to keep something. You, you've got to keep a certain environment in order for that fire to ignite, for it to start. It's got to be dry. Like if you're going to, if you're going to go uh, this weekend up into the mountains or something and make s'mores one night over a campfire and you go to build that fire, um, right? You're not going to start with wet wood and wet paper and then like, oh, what's wrong with this? And it's like, because everything's wet. Like you need it dry, right? And like, what are the things that you need if you're at that place of fatigue? Like, it's like real easily here. Like one of those maybe is just rest, maybe just some sleep. Some of the most spiritual, godly people I know have said to me at different times, and I've heard them talk about this, that sometimes the greatest spiritual discipline we can engage in is just getting enough sleep. It's to rest. Maybe that's what you need. And you're like, I don't have time to rest. I've got to get on to the next thing. But maybe that rest is what you need. Maybe it's prayer. And not prayer maybe as you normally think of it. Sometimes we think of prayer, and not, this isn't bad, but sometimes we think of prayer as, as a more transactional thing. It's like, okay, I've got these needs. God, I want you to take care of these. And I'm gonna, I want to try and hear what you're saying. And, I've, and, you know, and we think of a specific thing. But you know, whether you pray that way or another way, there is something so powerful just about the posture of prayer to pause and push everything out and just put yourself in a space to be face to face with God, to simply pause from everything else in your life and to speak to God and seek to hear that alone if God doesn't reveal any powerful epiphany, if you don't have any super deep thing to pray about, sometimes the simplest place of simply being before your God and pausing can be so powerful to put you in a place where that fire can get ignited in there. So what is it? I, maybe just like imagine, imagine what it would be like to get up tomorrow morning and feel rested, to feel energy, to feel that energy in whatever it is you face tomorrow? Like what would, think of the fire that that would begin in your heart. The other thing here, he talks about serving the, the Lord here, to serve here. Um, 
And again, I want you to think about this as like, how do you serve God in some way that fuels this fire? Think of this as maybe I get this little fire going and, and if you get a little fire going, what you don't do is like, okay, I'm gonna put the pot of water over it and I'm gonna just stand back and watch, right? Because then the fire just dies down and it'll flicker and like, you gotta feed that thing. Get it, like, get it going, right? There's a time to protect it from the wind and then there's a time to fan the flames of that thing. Like, what does it mean to begin fanning the flames of that fire? What does it mean? And I think what he's getting at here is this idea of serving. And we so often, we think of serving in this way of like, okay, this is the thing I'm obliged to do, right? God says, you know, okay, I, you're my follower. You're my child. I want you to go do this. doesn't matter if you like it. This is the right thing to do. And you know what? There's a time to do that. There's a, there's a time to look at something. You know, this is the right thing to do. Don't feel like it, but I'm going to go do that. I don't think that's what he's getting at here. There's a kind of serving God that fans the flame, that feeds the fire. And I think you all have experienced it. And you know, and I, the reason I think this is because I've watched you. In the last six months, we have done a bunch of drives. We've done drives for all kinds of stuff. We've done drives to help take care of kids. We've done uh, drives to help the hospital, to help um, uh, healthcare workers. We've done drives to fill uh, food pantries in our city. Um, we've done drives to encourage first responders. We've done all of these things. And I've gotten to watch this. I've had moments where I've got to stand out there and watch some of you drop stuff off. I've had lots of moments where I've been able to like watch video footage of what we've taken of that thing. I've gotten to talk to some of you about that. And you know what I've not seen once? I've not seen anyone drive up and go, okay. Here you go. Here's the bag. I've got that done. Man, think of all the things I could have been doing. I had to drive down here. Man, could have bought some other things for me. And I, no one. I've not watched one of you reluctantly hand something over, feel like, gosh, I'm missing. I, I spent money on some food and I could have, I'm thinking of all the other things I could have done. I've not seen that once. But you know what I have seen again and again and again and again? It's like you're happier when you leave than when you got here. There's something, you, but you were giving something away. You were giving your time away. You were giving your money away. You were like, you were serving, but there was something that got fanned in your heart. It's like you were feeding that fire. I think when you left there, I bet the people in your family liked you better, right? Because when you got home, it's not like you're like, just like, man, because what? You felt good, didn't you? Because there is something that it brought out the best of who you were. It brought out something that God put in there. And that's why I say, I want you to hear that even in those moments where you feel that fatigue, even in those moments that it would make us a coward, the truth still exists, that the spirit of God is in you. And there is a fire, there is something in you and it can be activated. And as God's spirit is activated in you, you begin to find this kind of energy that is not like pushing through a hard time. It's energizing you and fueling you forward. Um, I wanna read something else that my mom put in. So she writes this thing in here about fatigue. And I'm so glad she did. Because you know, the first time I read this as a 20-something, it was lost on me. But later in my ministry, I hit some walls and I felt fatigue deep in my soul. And all of a sudden these words came to life. 
And she goes on and she says this. Um, she says, grasp with renewed joy the opportunities to serve our Lord. And I pray that you and your sweet Angie <clears throat> will be filled with peace and joy as you serve God. And I know my mom was not saying, well, get out there and just serve God and you know. She was like channeling Paul is what she was doing. She understood that there was a kind of serving God that would pull me back into touch with all that God had called me to, that would pull Angie and I toward God's dreams and God's hope and God's energy and God's joy. And he will do the same thing for you. You feed that fire in your spirit and just see if the spirit of God doesn't start something that begins teeming with energy in your heart. Because when your spirit and your heart begin teeming with energy, when there is an eagerness, to quote Paul here, when there is an eagerness in, the, in your soul to bring your very best, genuine love is like easy. Because friends, you, you are like bread that is just waiting to rise. Let me close this here. Let me pray. Father, I just, I pray for uh, everyone that is uh, a part of this online right now and whatever they're facing or going through, whatever weariness that they might be in, I pray um, that you would stoke those fires in their hearts. And I pray for everyone in this room right now that's present with us that is maybe feeling that sense of fatigue that is just um, holding them back, that they, they would feel a teeming of energy that only comes from your spirit and that you would continue to move this church forward in the joy and in the grace and in the beauty of what you have for us. And we pray this in your son's name, amen.